it's not a revolution. It's going back to the roots of the web. It's a lot easier talking about, you know, pure HTML and GS. I don't want to mess up with the backend and everything. Without any front-end optimizations, without any back-end optimizations, simply by going with the Jamstack, they're shaving off several seconds. I mean, that's thousands of milliseconds. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. So welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. Here in the booth, we've got Chris Bach. Hey, how's it going? Co-founder of Netlify. And then uh, on the Zencaster, uh, we've got George Sad. Also, Charles is on the line too. Charles, I was saying your name before you got on the call. I'm not really sure how to pronounce your last name. Yeah, actually, it's kind of hard to pronounce in English. It's a wallet. Okay, I was way off. <laughs> you know, the team, the team with wallet and Snipcart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that makes sense. So you guys are actually from Snipcart. Do you guys want to briefly explain, maybe George, you start who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So uh, I was Lebanese born. That explains the family name part. So I started in Montreal, moved to Quebec for, for some reason that I still haven't figured out yet. So I'm the co-founder of Snipcart and also the, the co-founder of Spectrum, which is actually the mother company and a web agency uh, from which Snipcart spawned, actually. And so to, to cut it short, it's uh, Spectrum is a web development company known for achieving a lot of impossible projects, let's put it that way. And we're actually the ones that introduced the HR movement here in Quebec uh, 12 years back. And uh, being who we are, we are actually fans of developing tools for ourselves and experimenting on on some projects before even offering to the customers. That's actually how Snipcart uh, started. And I'll let Charles maybe talk a little bit more about Snipcart. Yeah, so I'm Charles. I used to work as a lead developer at Spectrum for a couple of years, mostly back-end development. And before that, I've been coding as long as I can remember, maybe 15 years ago. Back in the days, I became interested in web development by making sites for my Counter-Strike clans when I was a teenager. <laughs> And uh, since then, I co-founded Snipcart with my uh, ex-bosses that, at Spectrum like three years ago. Mm. It's funny when um, Charles mentions, you know, ex-bosses. The relationship has has gone through a lot, you know, from one day negotiating a salary or a raise, and the next day just being on a, on a committee deciding what to do with Snipcart and how we're going to manage the budget for for the marketing part or the uh, you know getting some new developers in. And one of the things that's really amazing and seeing how how Snipcart evolved. Uh, three years back when we started it, is that we had a couple of visions of how we wanted to do it. Uh, we really aimed at developers, and because we were aiming a lot of developers, we wanted to take it you know, slow. We we're a strong believer in slow growth. So what we said is start developing the product for us as an agency that we can offer to customers, and then we spawn it off into a separate product. And within actually two years, without any external funds, which is maybe uh, not very often that we hear about it, we had Spectrum in behind the company, so we didn't need to go some external funds or any uh, venture cap. And what happened is that within two years, actually, we broke even on a monthly basis, and since then, the business has been growing. The team, the only thing that we still have in common between Spectrum and Snipcart are, are really the offices right now. Other than that, it's, uh, it's more the ping-pong matches where we kick their asses and the baby foot plays where we get our asses kicked, too. And don't forget the <laughs> HL as well. <laughs> nice. So I'm sort of familiar with Snipcart because you guys actually put out some pretty good blog posts 
And could you explain briefly what Snipcart is and how it associates with the Jamstack? Because I know you guys are actually knowledgeable about the Jamstack, but I want to hear from, I guess, without like a better analogy from the horse's mouth of how you fit in the Jamstack. Yeah, sure. Actually, Snipcart is the e-commerce solution that has been built for developers. Basically, it's a HTML and JavaScript-based cart that you can inject into any website. It fits really great with Jamstack sites, but it can also be WordPress or anything because it's only HTML markup and JavaScript. So you can define the products directly on your site, and then from now on you can also customize the cart using CSS so it can fit the site layout. We saw some amazing integrations during the, the years that we've been running, and it's, it's very uh, fun for us to, to see that. And uh, on top of that, we also have uh, the dashboard for the merchants. So we take care of the actual checkout, but then the merchant needs to be able to access their orders, uh, customers, discounts, things like that. So they can do it through our dashboard that is hosted by us. And, uh, and we also have uh, our REST API and Webhook events that can be used to push the integrations much further because sometimes we have customers like that they need to integrate the orders or the products with ERPs or inventory management systems so with our APIs and webhooks it can all be done that's basically what snipcart is just to summarize it for a non-developer so so the user will connect from the browser to you guys' API so you so so the site using snipcart doesn't have to host any of, of the e-commerce parts themselves right Yep, exactly. It's it's like a two component. There's basically the client part where you know the developers inject uh, the script within his website, and if he wants to go further with the uh, customization, he can go ahead with the GS API or the webhooks or or even the, the 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 look and feel of the cart. And the second component of the application is really the full blown e-commerce dashboard where you can manage your discounts and everything else. They really basically the orders. You can define your custom fields for every product and everything. You know, one of the particular things that we have compared to any solutions that can be more GS oriented is really that the markup of the products is really within the HTML. So so it's not a widget or an iframe, which is, uh, you know, it makes the code more beautiful. It's more of having a clean markup within the existing HTML. So if we're talking about Jamstack or within the, the straight up HTML, where you'll define the price of the item, and uh, basically the Snipcart will just parse that information and make it a, for a product and create a product out of it. So there's no, you know, separate product uh, management within the uh, the dashboard. And you know, it's uh, one of one of the things within Snipcart is really how how we got there. Like at first, if if we how we stumbled across you know middleman and everything, it's more a serendipity than a planned move or something. You know, I was talking about Spectrum earlier when we tried to solve an issue, and the issue was really in you know we've been running for nine years now, and often we get back to some customers we've developed six years back, seven years back, and I mean. Whatever developers looks at its code, the day after delivery is already obsolete and wants to make it again another way, right? There's always a better way once it's been finished. So the idea was that the team wanted to avoid going back into you know legacy code and you know older technology. But we had the customers that we've been working for for a while and they wanted to add an e-com, right? So one of the idea that Charles came up with is like, okay, I don't want to mess up with the backend and everything that's with the legacy code with the customers. So what we're going to do is we're just going to develop a script and that will be embedded into the website and we'll take care of everything. We'll inject the cart, we'll take care of everything else. 
so that was the initial idea, avoiding legacy code and avoiding going to messy backend of an older solution. And then, well, Charles fell on middleman. And from there, well, I'll let you tell the story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, uh, I found middleman back in the days. Uh, I think I was reading a blog post or something like this. I said to the team, I want to try to integrate Snipcart with middleman because it, it seems very cool, fast and simple. So uh, as I, I dive into middleman and the configs and everything, I, I figure out that it's very unnatural fit for Snipcart to be in a Jamstack site. I mean, basically, all you need is JavaScript and HTML, so that's the output of the the project. And at the moment, there's not a lot of solutions that could fit on a Jamstack project for e-commerce needs. I know there are more nowadays, but when we started the Snipcart, we were probably one of the the earliest one to like attack this market. Then we realized that. This post that we wrote about middleman was getting more and more traction. So, so we decided to push the, the jam even further by playing and blogging about other static site generators and uh, use cases that you can uh, plug a, a Jamstack site underneath. I mean, since then it's been great and we, we got a lot of questions. I mean, every week we receive questions from uh, customers that are working on amazing project involving Jamstack and our products. So it's very awesome for us to see it growing and getting more and more tractions amongst developers using our product. And uh, I, I can say that uh, even supporting these customers and helping them getting live is very fun for us because most of the time their projects are very clean so that we don't have to mess like with WordPress or uh, things that don't excite us so that that's very nice and uh, we still contribute to the community actively uh, because we believe these tools are great and should be much more used even for more complex projects not only like uh, blogs or uh, things like that yeah i'm glad you you talked a bit about the client use case too but i'm i'm curious to know about what about the clients that don't have a Jamstack site? How do you convince them to use something like Snipcart and get involved in the Jamstack as opposed to a full monolithic WordPress setup with a database? Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's one of the things when we talk about you know convincing the clients. It's one of the things that when we approach the customers, we we have a different perspective on it. Uh, you know, one of the things that. We try to build up when you're working with customers. Really rely on on a certain a certain level of trust, where basically the customers is not really going to challenge the technical decisions that we're going to have, as well as we won't challenge you know the expertise that a customer can have within a certain industry. I really think when we're talking about developers, there's a different answer to the question, like how do you convince a developer that it's a good idea? But I think when we're talking about the the customer, the end user, his main concern is not. Like if we can, we can always talk about the benefits. You know, like the scalability, the security. There's a lot of big advantages that we can bring into the table, and the speed where you know customers are more and more aware how much performance is an issue, how much important performance is important for Google and the ranking and everything. So there's a couple of low-hanging fruit benefits that can really you know help the customer to understand why we're taking such decisions. But when it comes down to the customer itself, I really believe it's more about the content edition. Where it sticks a little bit, and that's I mean that's proportional to the ecosystem that's going to grow within within the jam basically. Where the more we're going to have tools, the less friction they're going to be of convincing you know a non-technical 
customer about using that, the Jamstack for his next big thing. And one of the things that we've been seeing is that at first, you know, like talking about when we used to use more of the term the static websites, it would have sounded for you know smaller websites, but it's actually the complete opposite. What we're seeing is that it's more high-end customers where the Jamstack fits better. Because now, once you get into that position with a customer, then the security really an issue. So now it's a major argument giving it uh, and saying that you know if we adopt such a stack, I mean nothing's going to be faster than having a static website delivered. And it's the same thing for security, saying that it's completely decoupled with the database and it's there's actually no potential issue with the security and the scalability. Basically, I mean there's really nothing that can be compared to that uh, when you're talking about infrastructure and scalability of the application. So I really think for the customer. It's more about the the values that it gives, and it always, and I would say it often comes down to content edition and how can we put in the content without messing around a lot. But I think for a developer, then there's a different answer. I'll, I'll let Charles maybe more develop on that if we're talking about with a developer about the Jamstack and why it's it's cool and what we should be using it. I think there's a lot more uh, more into it. I mean, one thing that I've seen, which is uh, which is kind of interesting, especially in, in back in the agency days where. I spent yeah, 14 years playing around. Is when you deal with anyone that has an e-commerce as part of their digital solution, you know, when you talk to performance, those are sort of like really the choir that you can preach to, right? Because I've never met anyone besides e-commerce managers that really understands the true value of a millisecond because they can translate it immediately into extra dollars and dimes, right? The more in basket, uh, fewer baskets left, you know, basically just higher conversion. And and if, if the e-commerce is, the more it's the main business, the more aware they are of this and the easier they are sort of to, to convince just by saying that off the bat, by simply choosing the right stack, Without any front-end optimizations, without any back-end optimizations, simply by going with a Jamstack, they're shaving off several seconds. I mean, that's thousands of milliseconds that goes to improving their business. I mean, and often for modern e-commerce, I don't know what you. I'd love to hear you guys' input around this. But what I saw was that a lot of these, because the pricing market is online and it's so incredibly transparent. What they do is they have to tune everything to to make it a profitable business because if they just pump up the price, people will go somewhere else. So they're at a game where if they can get 10-15% high conversion, then that's probably for a lot of them the difference between profitability and being in the red and having to sort of shut off the lights. So yeah, my experience is that they're a very grateful audience when it comes to performance. True. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like I said, the business value and the benefits are like an easy sale somehow. You know, when I mean nobody's against better performance for a website or e-com. So yeah, definitely. And you know, like one of the things that we often say when we're trying to explain it uh, a little bit for customers, we often say, you know what? Jamstack is not a revolution and an old guy as I am, I sometimes give the parallel, you know, like 20 years back, we well, the first, let's say Static website editor was like front page, right? So <laughs> this is where we were basically trying to give the customer a way to edit this content, and that would generate the HTML, and that we got uploaded into FTP. So it's basically like the ancestor of, of a process where we're generating a static website, but still giving the power of, and the, the freedom of, of and the independence of, of editing his content uh, as a customer. And like from nowadays. Compared to that, like the maturity of the web has exploded. I mean, we're not really even close to, th- to that period. The tools and the ecosystem that surrounds it is, is going crazy. And this is where actually what we what we often explain to Jamstack, we say, you know what, it's 
it's not a revolution. It's, it's, it's back to the roots, actually. It's going back to the roots of the web where you're basically delivering pure HTML, you know, like with no decoration, like no, uh, in French we say fla-fla, like, <laughs> you know, like no, no, no useless stuff around it. And it's, it's more of the evolution of the web. This is where we should have been heading at first, but where the maturity wasn't at the, at the meeting point. And now we're at that step where the maturity of the web, the tools are here. And basically this is why I think the Jamstack is just gonna, is, well, what we've seen so far with Snipcart is just exploding and getting more and more traction, more and more developer interest in it, because it just makes sense. This was the first solution that we wanted at first. We just didn't have the maturity and the tools for it. So I think the technical part is, is often easier for a customer. The benefits are easy, but like we, we often, you know, one of the things that we say is that we've somehow spoiled the customers with having so many features and most of them useless, but they have so many features they're expecting in a product. And somehow we get into, you know, like a, a newer technology or a newer tools that are going coming up and it's, it could be a no-go. And I'll give you a quick example for that. You know, in the States, when you develop an application or a website, well, you develop it in English. If it grows and then you aim to go more specific into markets, then you're going to translate it and go multilingual. In Canada, we're a bilingual uh, country, and in Quebec specifically, whenever you start a project, it's multilingual. It's de facto multilingual at first. So having the ability for a customer to edit a multilingual website and content is a must. It's not an option. It's not a feature. And when you get into you know less maturity product, then this is where it can get stuck. So, and from our perspective, when you're getting to customers, this is really where sometimes it's more of a challenge in explaining the workarounds they're going to have to do for you know multilingual uh, uh, role, uh, maybe for for large more corporate businesses. We're going to have a matrix of role, the audit, the trails. It's more about the feature than the technical side. I mean, I think. It just makes sense that the whole technical part of it, it's the orientation that we should all, all be heading, and this is where the web is going. Yeah, George, could you go into more detail of how you approach that, uh, that challenge of having a bilingual site to start off with? How would you approach that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really different. It really depends on the customer. You know, like for a smaller customer, we're simply just going to duplicate the model. So the customer is going to have, and we'll, we'll, we'll do some back-end work to synchronize some of the specific language labels or, or content. So it's, it's more of a workaround than a build-around. And you know, like when we wrote the Jamstack for clients, one of the things that came out of the blog post that we wrote is then once we had you know, the list of all the things that we, we, we thought could make it better and maybe more useful for us, Talking about you know the various tools being a, you know Prismic, Data CMS, Forestry, or whatever tool that we use. Well, we actually wrote back to these people saying, you know what, what you guys are doing are, is pretty crazy. We really believe in that orientation, but here are the features that we think missed. And one of the the biggest surprises that we had is that they came back with an answer saying, you know what, we know that it's just you know like the the time factor is always the limiting. So. As developer, we figure out solution and workarounds to make it by them. But for me, it's definitely not an issue as itself. It's more the maturity of what we're going to come with the tools surrounding. I mean, all the tools that we have right now are, are totally crazy. I mean, I think about you know Netlify and, and Contentful and Prismic, and it's crazy tools that are just going to change the way that the customers are really going to enter the content. You just have to be patient, patient enough to get the maturity what we're having. And like I said that uh, earlier, is that the the usual customers that are non-technical that have been writing content within CMSs have been submerged with features. Most of them useless, but they know it's there. You know how it is, right? So it's almost like the minimum barrier of functionality expected 
it's pretty high because I mean CMS isn't been we've been around for what 10, 12, 15 years. So it's simply a question of time to catch up that. And this is where the ecosystem that's building right now, you know, we got Snipcard and Lify and all the editors and the you know like keep forms and, and all that. And it's it's all tools that are just going to make it easier and easier until the ecosystem is, is, is pretty mature for even, even the, you know, like the mainstream, I'll say it somewhat. Charles, can you speak a little more since you lead more of the technical aspect? As far as process and approaching a, a problem for a client technically, is there any speed in development going on the Jamstack site as opposed to a monolithic, WordPress, uh, whatever? Yeah, sure. Actually, at Snipcard, I'm not really involved in getting clients up and running with uh, like, their site because most of the time those are developers that get to us they already like cho- choose their their stacks and things like that but we keep trying like when we have questions like what shall i use to uh, integrate a snip card onto my website do you have a preferred a cms shall i use wordpress most of the time we just Push them towards headless CMS and uh, static site generators because we let them know that it's very fast to get started and you have a lot of features. Uh, like uh, I was playing with uh, Prismic and uh, Contentful in for some blog posts uh, recently, and I mean I think it's very interesting and very powerful tools that can be uh, helpful. So. Yeah, we try a lot to push our customers towards this, but as I said, uh, most of the time they already have their stack. So awesome! Yeah. And then George, uh, real quick, you mentioned a blog post in your explanation. Is that the blog post that's published on Siteleaf, or is it another place to find that blog post? No, the one that was published on our own blog post. We the thing is, like, like like Charles said earlier, once we fall into like you know the the, the honeypot of Jamstack, <laughs> the Jampot, uh, we started playing around with a lot of tools and. Basically, what we did is we started, you know, sharing the findings and the play around that we had with those stacks. And the blog post that we're talking about is the one on Snipcart's website. And it's uh, there's actually, a, if I'm not wrong, on the blog there's actually a, a dedicated channel for static and headless CMS and all the playing around that we do with that. So the dynamic that we've having, you know, when we started the first time that we we published the middleman post, you know, we've got a couple of questions afterwards. But now it's just. Regular, you know, like we get more and more answers and uh, questions and information about that, and it's, uh, you know, and like I said, like Charles said earlier, one of the funny things is that, you know, the guys are always more happy supporting the guys with, like, you know, the team working with with static websites or headless CMS and the whole Jamstack because, you know, it's it's almost like a proof of being on spot and what it should look like right now, especially when you're a Snipcard customer. You know, like Snipcard is a front end solution for a starter, so. It just makes sense. It's just like so we get more and more requests for that, and it's it's really fun helping those people. Like you know, you don't have to dip in you know the proprietary CMS with a backend that you don't really control, and it's a lot easier talking about you know pure HTML and GS. So cool. And then uh, I think I found it. It's uh, Jamstack for clients, benefits, static sites, CMS, and limitations on the Snipcard blog. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. So yeah, we'll definitely have that in the show notes. But with that being said, I think uh, we had a really good conversation talking about uh, basically what was summarized in this blog post. And with that being said, I want to transition us into picks and talk about what we're jamming on and what's getting us going. So uh, it could be work-wise, it could be technology-wise. Uh, we tend to have a lot of music and Netflix picks. And with that being said, I, my first pick is going to be a music video. It's uh, Wyclef Jean's, uh is the name of the song. And the rapper is Young Thug. And this music video 
is quite interesting. It actually went viral last week. And I guess to summarize it, they shot a music video without the rapper in the video at all. And the problem was the, the rapper just never showed up. So they went through the music video and the director basically made all his decisions for the rapper, even had like a cutout of where the rapper would have been if he was actually there. And there was actually, he was in the video for like maybe 10 seconds where he recorded a video of him eating Cheetos. So he's in the very beginning of the video and that's it. So this is basically annotations throughout the entire video of like the entire time the, the music's going, the rapper's actually rapping, and uh, there's annotations of this them saying, yeah, he would have been here, but this happened, and he had this <laughs> excuse. And it's actually pretty hilarious. It takes away a lot from the song uh, when you watch the video. Like I, don't, I couldn't tell you what he's rapping about, but it's, it's pretty funny watching the video and basically watching this director whine about the fact that the rapper never showed up. Um, with that being said, my technology pick is going to be React Native. Uh, React's a framework we talk about a lot on this podcast. React Native is actually an approach that Facebook created to create iOS and Android apps using just JavaScript. I got into it about 18 months ago. It's actually a lot of fun. I got into actual Swift and Objective-C development, uh, learned that on my own, uh, and then transitioned to React Native really quickly because I found it was a really good bridge between my web knowledge and my new iOS knowledge. At the time, I was doing iOS, and I've since made an Android app, an iOS app a couple times, and I'm currently building a small prototype of the Netlify app with one feature, which is basically your deploy logs, all for a talk I'm actually giving tomorrow, which... I'll probably have a video later on, so if you check out my blog, you can probably watch that video when it comes out. And uh, yeah, so my pick is React Native. Chris, did you have anything you're jamming on? I guess, I mean, right now we're spending a lot of time on Netlify CMS, actually. So I guess it would be React. The reason I, I guess I'm tripping out over this is, is because and I keep coming back to uh, these days where we sort of are close to, to really releasing it. That it's a single page app in React. And if you look at, you know, the old alternative, like some bloated thing like WordPress, for example, then it's funny to think that that this, which gives you a WordPress experience, is actually a single page app made in React. It's open source, it's built to agnostic, it works with consistent data in, in Git. So it's Git-based. So it, it is a headless CMS. But there's a you know something that's just purely written in a framework for JavaScript and works as a single page app that it actually has the same functionality that you needed a huge monolithic app for before was was really interesting. And Doug, I know you've been working on our on our front end as well. So we're doing so much React these days, right? And it, it really is a an interesting uh, framework, and it's been fun to see how quickly it's exploded. Yeah, how much cool stuff is being made made it all around the world. It, it's crazy how how much React in general fits within the Jam philosophy. Yeah, it really um, does. Because you can re- literally just embed it into your either HTML site or your. If you wanted to embed it into your WordPress site, you can. And yeah. that's basically what we're doing with the Netlify CMS, is we're embedding a CMS in your static site generated site. Exactly. And uh, it just sits comfortably next to it. It doesn't take up any space. And uh, you only have to go to slash admin to see your CMS, which is beautiful. So, yeah, it is really fun and, and, and cool to see how far you can come with simple. <laughs> yeah, cool. And then uh, I guess we'll just go order of uh, introductions. George, did you have any uh, things you're jamming on? Any picks? Yeah, of course. Uh, Music-wise, uh, there's uh, I don't know if you heard of it. It's it's an older band. It's called Chinese Man. Just got a new album. It's a DJ. It's pretty amazing. Got to listen to that. It's pretty cool. Working with that, it's a pretty a nice beat, like older school, a little bit hip hop with a French touch. Other than that, I'd say most of the list right now, and I've contaminated, you know, Frank, our marketing king here. It's more, uh, you know, Tender, Harrison, Brome, Langs, and Cash David, like. That's definitely the, the music we've been jamming on lately here in Snipcart. 
Tech-wise, I'd say one of the uh, the things that really is getting us really pumped, I'd say let's four or five months back, is really you know like the I'm gonna code that the trend of profit for startups. <laughs> We're fans of the slow growth, and we've been bootstrapping our our, our stuff. And it's been working well so far. And you know, seeing all the articles popping up where you've got a Dropbox saying, "Oh, we're gonna you're gonna announce profit this quarter," and you know, having this this movement where you know, like business 101, right? We're building a business to make profit somehow, and it's I wouldn't call it a trend, but right now it's it's just picking up. It's a thing that really excites us. And you know, one of the things that we've said so far is that. That gets the competition on the you know on the same level. So welcome to the game, right? It's working with the same constraint and trying to build a business that's profitable, and it's it's something exciting instead of just you know building something without really necessarily aiming for profit. I really think it's it's something that's super exciting in the coming years, and it's uh, yeah definitely one of the things that's popping up, jamming us a lot. Yeah, that's it's nice to see companies actually uh, being companies in businesses nowadays. As opposed to whatever Twitter's doing. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. So, Charles, uh, do you have any things you're jamming on? Yeah, I'm going to start with the music as well. Uh, I used to be listening a lot of depressing music, but uh, <laughs> for like a couple of months, uh, I I don't remember who introduced me to electronic music without lyrics. I'm now a big fan of Emancipator. It's like electronic music, very slow, but, but it helps me to focus uh, when I'm writing code, so I really like it. And on the technical side, I will say that I'm quite excited by Vue.js at the moment. We've been trying it in a small project uh, here at Snipcard to help us with uh, the support efforts. Actually, we built a small application that allows us to fetch the data from a customer to see all of his settings and things like that. And we've done it with the Vue.js and uh, it went really well, and I'm quite amazed that this project is mostly maintained by one uh, guy. So it's quite awesome to see it uh, grow and uh, taking more and more uh, place in the GS frameworks. So, uh, can I just ask, what was your favorite part about working with you? It looks like it's like three weeks old, so it can't be that mature yet. But, <laughs> but you know, what was the best part? Yeah, actually, I, I think that it was the freshness that it brought because I've been working on Snipcard for the last years and with Backbone and things like that and now using this framework with the Vuex and having the state and everything it's something that really excited me and I want to shoot out that Maxim the, the the other developer with me uh, on Snipcard who is currently in uh, Bali and uh, is the one who introduced me to this framework and uh, show me uh, how it worked for this uh, application. So, yeah. So, a big shout out to Max if he's hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, views uh, on my long list of things to finally try out. I've built one boilerplate project, I think it was the Hacker News clone, just to test it out, make sure it worked on Netlify. And it's, it's great, it's super fast, and uh, I think. It's it's going to be pretty big in 2017 for sure. I think people are going to get more of adoption, which I'm also kind of amazed that uh, I think Evan Yu is the guy who maintains most of this. He like quit his job at Facebook or some other company and now maintains his full time. He's done some really good work, which is pretty awesome. Shout out. Hey, Chris, Brian, one last thing. Just want to say, you guys, what you published about the headless CMS is pretty crazy. <laughs> Just saying that... 
we were, yeah, the repository that you published, we were actually working on the same thing as a side project they wanted to publish. So uh, yeah. you guys were, that's pretty amazing move. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't bought the, uh, the domain name, but uh, then like a week later, we saw that you guys published this, so we just uh, said, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's open source, so uh, pull request, welcome. Yeah, we saw a lot of traction with static gen back in the day, and and it still does carry a lot of, of traction with it. And we just thought that there's so many headless CMS solutions coming out there that it would be nice with an overview somewhere. So that was just sort of the gist of it. It's a little bit different than static gen because you can't really rate it since they're not all open source, and so you can't really look by GitHub usage. So it's more of an alphabetical listing, but at least it gets people a place to start when they want to check into it. I mean, there's definitely a huge value in bringing that into one place. You know, I was referring to the ecosystem of the Jamstack earlier, and it's definitely like it goes into the same direction, right? I mean, it's there's there's a huge value in it, and it's uh, like I said, it's a pretty good job, guys. Thanks. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks uh, for coming on, uh, George and Charles and Chris as well for coming in the studio to chat with these guys. I'm liking what you guys are putting out there. I love your blog posts. I read through a couple actually in preparation for this talk. So keep up the good work and keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 